0: Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. 4 offense. 4 an offense. Four minutes.
1: 4 minutes. offense. 4 minutes. offense. Four minutes. Four minutes.
0: Four minutes. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world. You get in four minutes. We start things off in Montreal, Canada. <laughs> What happened? Another loss, four to two to the Canadians. It's ugly. The losing streak is now at 13 games. But I'm sure Andre Turney says everybody tried. It's boring. You was the game. We played really well. The guys had emotion. They had drive. We played with a lot of passion. There were a lot of life on the bench. Hmm. The only thing that was lacking was scoring. Okay. Well. I guess that's not important in hockey. By the way, no one in NHL history has ever won 18 straight games without a point. Coyotes are in 13. Good luck, boys. They're off today. They take on Toronto tomorrow night. D-backs got shelled 10-3 on the uh, at home taking on the Texas Rangers. Free agent acquisition Eduardo Rodriguez got beat up. One inning pitched, gave up four earned runs and two dingers. However, Quetel Marte had two more hits. He's batting 7 14. And Eduardo, A. Uh, uh, Eugenio Suarez went 2 for 2, and he's up to 333 batting average. Today, they travel out to Goodyear. Brandon Fott will throw for the D backs up against Cleveland. First pitch, 1 o'clock. Oh! It was the Cardinals' turn at the podium for everything to do with the Combine. Monte for the GM, and the head coach was there as well, Jonathan Gannon. Coach, what is it that you guys are looking for to find the perfect Cardinal in Indy?
2: If they love ball and if they're team guys, first. So we're getting, uh, it's awesome meeting with them, um, getting to start them, to know them as people um, before you really dive into the tape. but. Uh,
0: Today at the Combine, everyone except O-linemen and kickers are there to be interviewed by the different teams. We're still a day away from workouts, so that's tomorrow when the defensive front seven hits the field and we actually see a real-life football in Indianapolis. Other than the All-Star break, it's the longest break of the year. The Suns have a lot of days off. Frank Vogel, what have you accomplished at practice with the extended time?
1: Balance the rest of recovery recovery uh, while staying sharp and living, you know. So, you know, today was probably the, the most intense practice uh, that we'll probably have the rest of the year.
0: Well, they need it because coming up tomorrow, they start three games and only four nights in which everybody that they're playing is a young team. Back to back, or excuse me, two games against uh, Houston coming up. That tip off comes up tomorrow night. Can the Devils avoid losing by four? 40? Yeah, that's the tough question. Senior Day comes up tonight, and it's against U of A, who won by a whopper 45 points the last time they met in Tucson. Coach, what does it mean to go up against the Wildcats tonight?
3: As competitors, it's uh, it's why I'm thankful and grateful to be the head coach of Arizona State because I get to go and play and coach and do what I love to do in games like this. These, this is what it's it's all about as, uh, as a competitor.
0: Mm. Strong test, we'll see what they can do. Tip-off in Tempe at 8 o'clock. And finally, a family in Albuquerque is suing the Albuquerque Public School District because a teacher decided a new activity would liven up school. You see, she's a chemistry teacher and she thought, how can I teach metallurgy and melding of metal what activity would keep kids engaged? I know! Sword Swords fighting! Sword
4: as students take each other on in a makeshift classroom arena, <laughs> all at the instruction of their teacher.
3: It was just total
5: shock.
0: <laughs> the girl that was taking the cell phone video was called out next. It was her turn in the class ring of sword fighting. She took a sword to the wrist and then took a trip to the emergency room. The teacher, she was not continued in her employment. Jackpot, Unplugged Army. I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to unplugged at whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off, plus 15% off at Civic, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls a shirt and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime. Or, if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unplugged at whirlwind.com and feel the wind.
4: I'm Janelle, general manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. the Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about, and drink, our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch.
0: Bell's Nashville Kitchen, on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. Oh, yeah. There's just some kind of juice that gets you as soon as the show starts. It didn't matter that I went to bed at 1.30 in the morning. Just the juice starts going, because guess what I'm doing today? I am going to a spring training baseball game. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And that's what I need to get going. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever it is that you've decided to make Duncron's Unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world. Totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Risings, and the Mercs. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Pretty well stomped on that one. Thank you. Uh,. I am, I am in a very, very, very odd haze. Yesterday, I got home from work at about 3.30 in the afternoon and then took a hard nap all the way until 6, which, boy, when I woke up, felt great. The negative is I was, when I don't start working until about 6.30 or 7 on the next show, that's way too late in the evening. You know, It takes me about five to six hours to put the show together. So if I don't start working until 7, ugh, and then there was stuff I forgot to do. So I wasn't done until about 1.30 this morning. And man, getting up was not pleasant, was not pleasant. But I'm, I'm ready. I'm jacked up now because I'm already thinking about it. Got a crazy day today in which uh, driving back home to Goodyear, hope, hopefully I admit to get a little bit of a nap. Then the Diamondbacks are playing in Goodyear today, so I'm going to go to the D-backs game. That starts at 1. Then going to go home, get a quick bite to eat, and then I'm headed to Tempe. And boy, Izzy, this is going to be an adventure tomorrow, I have to tell you now. Tip-off tonight of ASU U of A is at 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. Which means the drive from Tempe to Goodyear, probably after the presser, probably won't take place until around 11.15. Get home about midnight and then start the work for the Thursday show, which then makes Izzy completely chasing his tail when he gets emails from me that are half written, full of typos. I don't have any idea what I'm writing. And then I leave stuff to do in the morning. And then you get to see what we saw just now here in the studios of WTSMTV.com. Is he doing a miracle, running down the hallway at 549, running back up the hallway at, no, it was like 553, running down the hallway, and then back up the hallway at 558, because he was able to find one piece of video of kids fighting with swords in the middle of class. It's the, it's the serious stuff, man, it's serious <laughs> stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I just, that story that we ended, the four-minute offense, woman gets hired, it's her second year at school. Her first year, she's a special education teacher. God bless all of you special education teachers. Then she goes, she does the strange jump from special education to chemistry. So then she's the chemistry teacher the next year and decides, how do I want to teach metal? I know. Everybody, move your desk out of the way and make a circle. So it looks like a gladiator ring. Now let's sword fight with real-life swords. No protective garb on whatsoever, but we're just going to set, the rule be we'll set a timer. If you notice on the video, in the back of the room, there's a screen and it's got a 60-second timer. So somehow with a timer, that's going to protect the kids because they don't have time to get upset or to really start fighting. (laughs) What could go wrong? Are you would you be disappointed in one of your kids if they participated? <laughs> you the, know that's fight? a great question. I I know my I know my kids well enough to know my oldest would not come anywhere near it. Now here's what's funny about it. She's a fe- she fenced in high school. Her oh, really? t- yeah, her school had a fencing team and uh, and I I couldn't believe it was like a small club sport so they basically just fenced each other. But the teacher had all the garb and everything. And, and it was just a cool activity. It's so like, all right, knock yourself out. But I think because of that, she would have said, all right, I'm not, I'm worried about other kids. I'm not going to do it. The youngest, intern McKenna, I'm more worried about her hurting somebody else. I, I could see her getting all fired up. Then, all right, here we go. Ah! You know, and she's like a nut job with it. Oh my gosh. That, What's really ironic is the video that we showed right there, the girl shot it on her cell phone and then was chosen to compete next, and she's the one that took a sword to the wrist and then had to go to the emergency room. Oh my gosh, just just the amazing stupidity of that. I wonder if you're a teacher, as the child is leaving the room with blood, do you see your whole career flashing before you? Like, what, what? That's amazing to me that nobody, nobody said to her, this probably isn't a great idea. That's really, and then you got to think about the school that somebody, I don't care if you are a teacher, you just walk in with swords. That's like, where do you, where do you hide swords? Do you put them in a briefcase? I don't know. I haven't done much walking. You know, I say this, but. Now that I think of it, just to show you how backwards we were, I guess I shouldn't say backwards, how normal the time was, there was a new student that we had in junior high. His name was Sam Davis. And then he told me um, that his great, great uncle, blah, 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 was the president of the Confederacy. Now, it just so happens the president of the Confederacy's name is Jefferson Davis. But I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. You know, I'm like, come on, buddy. You're a new guy. Somehow you want to act like you're cool. Secondly, this is Ohio, okay? This isn't Arkansas. So I'm not thrilled that you're—it okay, doesn't impress me, all right? We're the North. You know, I just—I didn't, I didn't know what to say. Okay, whatever. And I think because I didn't believe him, it was time to get to know the new student like the next week. It was some kind of show and tell. And he brought in a sword that he claims was Jefferson Davis's sword. And he just put it in his locker. <laughs> now, number one, in today's days of collection, uh, collectibles, do you really just put a, something, a, a sword from the 1800s, and who knows if it was made before that, into a junior high locker, number one, Number two, you will trust your 13-year-old to bring, if it's real, something that's that valuable. Oh, yeah, just take it to school. Just make sure you bring it back, honey. Bring the sword back from school. And then in today's day and age, imagine a kid just bringing a sword into school, not telling the class, not telling the school, not having an adult bring it first and an adult leave with it. Oh, my gosh.
4: Especially nowadays I don't even think they have locks on the lockers anymore. You could just pretty much lift the lever really? up and open it. Wow. Like, yeah, I don't even I don't think I've had a lock on them lockers since middle school. So yeah, wow. anybody could have just got it. You get get a free sword going to school.
0: <laughs> That's just so dumb. I didn't know that about what was what's the thinking about no locks because I, we always had we had keys at school. And But the catch was, obviously, there were multiple master keys, so anybody that needed to could get into your locker even if you didn't want them to. I don't know why they would stop yeah. unless they got tired of buying new keys for kids or something like that. Right,
4: yeah, I think it was kind of the kids would bring in the locks of their own, but if you uh, didn't, yeah, yeah. it was just fair game.
0: Yeah, 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 I get that. What we would do is our in freshman year in high school, they had a combination, attack, like it was built into the locker. But sophomore, junior, senior, you had keys. Well, the little game was you would stand behind the freshman and watch them go through their code, and then you'd know what their code was. And then you'd stack all their books in their locker so when they opened up the locker, everything fell on their head. <laughs> I don't know why. I thought that was so entertaining. Absolutely entertaining. But admittedly, after it's done to you once... You go get your combination changed, and then, man, you're like this all the time. It's like you're cracking into a safe or something like that. You're looking around everywhere whenever you get into your locker from that point on. All it, does, all it takes is once, and then you, uh, you learn the lesson. But we got to – look at the show sheet today. We got a lot to get to. And yesterday I failed in a, uh, in a lot of different ways to, uh, to get to stuff that I uh, – you know, it's funny. Steve McCullum just texted me and says, hey, new schools don't even have lockers. That, so, you, so listen to the proliferation. For me, we have locks on the locker. For Izzy, they didn't even have the locks. And now we're at the point where you don't even have lockers anymore. I guess I kind of knew that because I always, asked, I always asked my kid, why do you carry your backpack around everywhere? And, she, and, and I, I guess she did say that, you know, we don't have lockers. That's- Some
4: of them have desks, like the, the top of the desk lifts up. And you just throw your stuff in there and they have like a
0: signed seating for you. Oh my gosh, that's like, that's like third, like we had that in the third grade. Right, yeah. But they do that even in elevated grades? I had that in eighth grade. Wow. (laughs) wow, Man, it shows you I didn't, boy, I I thought I was a good dad. I I haven't paid attention to that. But I never went to like the school open house where they go, now your kid goes to third period. Walk over to third period. I'm like, okay, Jennifer, knock yourself out. I don't, because I'm just going to get frustrated at a teacher and I'm just going to be judgmental. That teacher's smart. I don't like that. That teacher i don't like that teacher i don't like that i like that teacher you know and, and, and I'm, I'm just not i'm not good in those settings at all <laughs> at all uh intern mckenna when she had she had to do a thesis her senior year and in high school and i'll never forget it was a three teacher panel but they allowed parents to come in there and watch and then if the parents wanted to participate in the conversation they would say the thesis is now over you know, let's, let's have a, more of a group discussion on something. And man, the teacher Intern McKenna had, it was like he was trying to give his own thesis. It was like, dude, wh- who are we here to hear? I'm not here to hear you. I would assume you've already done this. Can, can my kid talk? But, my kid, but Intern McKenna was like, so what? If he wants to grade himself, knock yourself out. And then wouldn't you know it, the two other teachers that were in the room gave her an A, and the guy that did all the talking gave her a B. Like, what is this? you're the one you're grading yourself can you tell i was a little frustrated with the guy this is like three years old it's still uh it's still in there oh let's see what do we got today um sound credits got a lot of stuff from phnx thanks for sending somebody to the combine guys we took a lot of cardinal sound from them and then uh we got d-back sound from them as well sun's pr department and the coyotes pr department sent us frank vogel and andre Turini. And then Sun Devil Source, we got some Bobby Hurley. And then I admit, Izzy, I don't know where uh, you found it. I'm so glad you did. Where did you get the uh, famous old, and I'll talk about it in a minute, Cardinals Vikings call from? NFL. Okay, you got that from just like their YouTube page. So yeah, you have, yeah, the, yeah, the YouTube page. Okay, yeah. and then uh, where'd you get the Cleveland Cavaliers last second shot from?
4: Uh, Bally Sports Cleveland.
0: Okay, good, good, good. So that's uh, everything. We're gonna, uh, we'll do Doug's big one, and then Izzy, I'll do the Cardinals and Cavs after that. Before we hit the break, but and also it's a two Mountain Dew day. <laughs> also, uh, we do
4: have a little bit of Lloyd from yesterday. Do you oh, want to yeah. roll with that or
0: absolutely? Let's do that too, because I want to. I want to look at, at at the game tonight. So we'll do Lloyd uh, as well. And that's from Wildcat's YouTube page from yesterday. I, I'm,
4: I'm sorry, I think that's from a sports center because he was on uh, ESPN just oh, yesterday. Oh, is talk that about. You got? It? Okay. Yes.
0: Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, I, think, I think we've covered everything. What's, um, give yourself a free plug uh, What's since, you, since I dragged you everywhere today. What's, uh, what's going up on, on Izzy on Sports? What's on your mind?
4: All right, man, some more. I had a really good talk with uh, Bruce Cooper. He tried to persuade me that Caleb Williams is the guy for Chicago. And I vehemently
0: disagree. <laughs> wow, wow. Now, do you disagree? I love the, I love draft talk. I am a sucker. As soon as you say something draft, I'm in. Uh, or do you feel that way because you totally believe in Justin Fields or because you totally don't believe in Caleb Williams? Or is it more, we're so bad right now. Why not give Justin one more year? We'll find out whether he's good or not. But... Use the draft capital of trading down and fill up every other position. Where, where are you on that scale? The the first two that you just said. Okay, so I'm 100. I'm
4: still sold on Justin Fields. I want to give him at least another year or two. Caleb Williams, and that's the thing with Bruce Cooper. That's why I can't really bang on him too hard because mm-hmm. Bruce Cooper has seen him. For years, yeah, you know, yeah. I've just seen his USC tenure, so that's how I'm judging it off of, and even seeing what I've seen him with him at USC just yeah. wasn't a fan. I just it's wasn't interesting
0: because I I'm in a weird spot with with the quarterbacks. I am not in love with May, and I've heard a lot of people say May is the most pro ready pro mind in that type of book into that type of offense but you know what's funny about that every time I hear people talk about May they say the exact same code words that people said about Josh Rosen (laughs) I don't think they compare at all but it's just funny the way people talk about May to me I hear the same things or heard the same things about Josh Rosen Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels I both think they're outstanding I love them both. However, there's two aspects to each one that would almost forbid me from drafting them, that I would not feel totally sold. Caleb Williams is the fumbles. I don't think you're going to be able to correct it. And if a coach swears up and down he can, hey, you can lose your job over it, but I'm not losing my job if if I'm the GM. So I don't like the amount of times he fumbles. And with Jaden Daniels, I don't think he's going to survive. I think he's going to be a 10-11 game quarterback a year. I think he's going to get hurt. So uh, I, I don't. I wouldn't go. I'm, I would do the trade route. I would trade down. I would let Justin Fields have another year, not because I believe in him, but also because I don't not believe in him yet. I'm just kind of like, eh, okay, whatever. I do believe Caleb Williams is better, but I think Caleb Williams is going to fumble and it's not going to show up. So... Where I'll have a massive recantation, uh, you know, when Caleb Williams is going to the Hall of Fame or something, I'll say, well, I said he would fumble a lot. Well, Kurt Warner actually fumbled a lot early in his career, and then he got it figured out. So we'll see.
4: Yeah, I mean, I'm, to be honest, I'm really weird. I'm scared. I ain't going to lie to you. This week is scaring the hell out of me. So um, if, if Justin Fields does leave, then I'll definitely buy a Kyler jersey.
0: Oh, so you'll be all in on Kyler. Boy, aren't you going to get let down.
4: Yeah, me and Steve already talked about it. I'm definitely going to convert to a Cardinals fan.
0: Wow, like that's it for the Bears. Like that's all it takes is the dumping of Justin Fields. Yeah, because I feel like now we're just going to go in this
4: endless cycle. And I also think if you draft Drake May, you can definitely end up in another Mitch trubisky situation. yeah yeah that's so i, I can see that I, I just think you you have not not necessarily have a choice but i feel like the safest route is to just build around justin fields and if he can not do with
0: what uh we've given him then yeah you gotta let him go what if they I, I don't think in a million years they're gonna do this but what if the bears keep justin fields don't draft a quarterback and then caleb williams is a stud and justin fields falls on his face are you still all in on the Bears? Do you have a massive recantation and you'll never doubt the Bears again? Like, what's going to happen to your fandom?
4: Oh, man. I think, I think I'm just going to keep lying to everybody and <laughs> saying I'm a Bears <laughs> fan while watching them still closely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I have to accept it.
4: I, I have. To, yeah, I, I got to accept yeah, it. Yeah, I don't
0: know what's going to happen on this one. I, there has been drafts where I have jumped up and down. Like, the, the, the Jake Locker Christian Ponder draft – uh, so many people were trying to tell me how great those two were and i was losing my mind that no these guys are terrible you guys have no i Blaine gabbard as well you have no idea what you're talking about and they would just go crazy about how great they were and like guys are getting paid by nfl teams were telling me this so there's been times i have been unbelievably opinionated on on guys. This year I'm kind of like, yeah, I see why you like this guy, but I got to be right. I'm not drafting a quarterback just because hey, I need a quarterback. I got to be right. I got to believe in that guy wholeheartedly before or there's too much other talent. I'm trading down, stocking up, getting picks in the future so I can find a quarterback in another draft. However, I have heard speculation is that the 2025 draft, it's not very good for yeah. quarterbacks. Not very good. I liked your idea of the when we talked like what a month or two ago
4: of the bear the Bears some just getting Bo Nix like later on and then just having him back up just in case Justin Fields fall on his face. I think that's a but great I think idea. You, I think you soured on Bo Nix, right? You
0: know, it's it's hard. The film still tells me he's great, but. His senior bowl was not what I wanted. He did get progressively better every day at the senior bowl, but here's the one thing. He was so bad on Tuesday, it wasn't that hard to get that much better during the rest of the week. So it's... I was all in on drafting him number 32. And the reason why is just like Lamar Jackson, I want the fifth year option because I don't want to start him at the very beginning of his career. I want Bo Nix to sit and learn, use his brain, learn the offense, kind of like the Chiefs did with Pat Mahomes. And then I think it's beneficial. But if you do it that way, I don't want to build him up, have him be good in two or three years. And then now I've got to sign him to a big money contract versus just being able to lock him in with the fifth year option. So that's how I would want to play it. That's what I said before the Senior Bowl. After the Senior Bowl, I'm kind of like, listen, I still like you, Bo Nix. But I don't like I don't like the first round as much anymore, and uh, and I don't want to be trapped into first round pay. So I'd rather have you show up a little bit later and get you in the second or third round. And then if I gotta re-sign you to big money, hey, that just means I was right, you know. And then it's not as big of a deal, and I've got to address it sooner than I wanted to, or sooner than I would have had to if I drafted you in the first round. But now. I, that's all that's changed with me. He's, he's, dropped, he's dropped a round. He went from first round to second round to me. Um, that's a great question, though. I love this stuff. Man, do I love the NFL draft. And hopefully, we're going to do a great job at WTSMTV.com covering everything draft-wise. I think we are set, even though I don't want to get out of the draft conversation. But you know what? We can go into the combine in just a second. Let's roll. Doug's big one. Doug's big one today, my, my number one opinion, this is, I admit, you can rip me and say, Doug, that's a little soft opinion. I'm ready for this big thing, especially after a Monday show. No, this is, it's still my number one hardest opinion, but it's not a topic that you're going to lose sleep over. I think the NFL is being so hypocritical. It drives me crazy. There's a lot of talk of changing the kickoff, okay? And they're all upset because the kickoff they say has become a ceremonial play. They said there was something like 1900 touchbacks in this last year. Here's why this upsets me and it's so hypocritical. The NFL dramatically changed the kickoff to where it's not a football play. And since it's not a football play, they're now upset that people aren't playing football during the kickoff. So now they want to change the kickoff. It it's just sick in the head. Last year Every single person that was on, that the talked to the competition committee that's a special teams coach, warned them all, don't make this change. The change that they made is they adopted the college rule. Any player on the receiving team can call a fair catch, and you always get the ball on the 25-yard line. It became so much easier for every team to figure out, okay, Look at the ball. There's great hang time. That means they're going to tackle me early. Boom, I'm going, to, I'm going to do the fair catch. Or it's actually a little bit of a line drive. Now I can bring it up. And almost all kickers can kick it into the end zone anyway. So the old way, even though it was cheesy, even though they're trying to t- change that play from a real football play to something softer because of the wussification of America, At least kickers could figure out how to drop it into corners. Kickers could figure out how to do moon kicks and get it to land at about the three to force you to bring it out. It was a football play. Once they changed it, it became a touchback play. And then what do they complain about? That it's not a football play because you kick, some guy catches it, calls a fair catch, it's at the 25, why don't we just put it at the 25 anyway? I have a better idea. Why don't you just let them play football? Let them actually play football. I don't care how you do it, but play football. And That's what I would like to see. Now, where this argument goes is everybody yells and screams about concussions, and they yell and scream about trauma to the head and everything else. I think that stuff is incredibly real. I think it's totally real and totally scary. But you know what? There's a very easy way to fix it number one, you've already taken care of it. You're paying guys millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. They now know the risks of playing football. They've chosen to take on that risk for the millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. That's on them, number one. Number two, NFL grow a heart and offer Health care for life for every single player that is ever playing in the NFL more than X amount of games. It can be eight games. It can be 10 games. It can be two years. You negotiate that with the union. Give health care for lifetime for all football players. That's it. That's how you take care of it. And then you actually get to play football, and then we get to enjoy the game again. Instead of the ceremonial, hey, we're upset the kickoff isn't a football play, when you're the ones that made it not a football play. That's Doug's big one today. Kind of small, I realize. I, I, I realize. Am I really that fired? Yeah, I am that fired up about it. But I understand it's a small thing in 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 the life of football. Some people don't even care about the kickoff. One thing I don't want to see is the cheesy rumor of the fourth and twelve. There are some people that say You're, we're going to give you a choice. The other team gets the ball at the twenty-five yard line, so there's no kickoff. Or instead of having an onside kick, let's put the ball at the thirty-five where it would be anyway if it was a kickoff, and now you get to run an offensive play as if it was fourth and 12. So if you don't get the play, now the other team gets the ball on an incomplete pass right where you threw it from, like any other rule, or if it's a turnover or if it's a tackle, they get the ball right there. And if you are able to complete the play, well, hey, guess what? Now you've got the ball and you've got X amount, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 60, 70 yards to go. And now you get to go down the field and try to get a touchdown. So that's how you keep possession of the ball. I actually believe they're eventually going to go to that. I totally believe that. They have changed the onside kicks rules so often that you're down to about a 9% chance of recovering an onside kick. You've really eliminated the onside kick as a weapon. I will never say I like indoor football better than outdoor football in the NFL. That, that's, diff- that's a different discussion. But that is one thing about the Indoor Football League I like a lot better is they don't have really crazy, ridiculous onside kick rules. So when you're losing, you feel like you can get back in the game so much faster. Okay, Not only is there a 50-yard um, field, but also you can score a touchdown. That's six points. You can go for two. That's eight points. If you kick it through the uprights on the kickoff, that's a point. So you can have a nine-point deficit and end up, if there's still time on the clock, with a tie game, and you can do the onside kick. I, I, I like all that. I like that kind of action. Do I really want that? all that in the NFL? Some of it might be gimmicky, but hey, if you can kick it off all the way into the uprights, why not give, a, give another point? NFL would hate it, but you know, why not? It might help your fantasy team if you have a good kicker. Izzy, if you could... Let's go with two things real quick, which is a story that I find hilarious. Let's do the Card Vikings clip, and then let's do the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then we'll, uh, uh, we'll come back and we'll talk some Diamondbacks, because I really haven't talked a lot of D-backs yet uh, this week, and I want to get into that. So here's the, the Cardinals-Vikings thing. I want to play something for you that's hysterical. And nobody is talking about this nationally. I bet, and I admit I didn't watch the local sports last night, Maybe they're talking about this a lot uh, locally. But there was a small piece of national news that I had to laugh like crazy that came out yesterday. Josh McCown was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. Now, Izzy, you didn't live here at the time, so you might not know this. But after he was drafted, I think it's about year two or year three of his career, Cardinals are still playing in Tempe. It's week 17 of the season, which at that time was the last week of the year. Cardinals had won two or three games, typical Cardinals season, that's it. The Vikings needed either, uh, I think they needed a win to get in. And it was one of those dramatic things, if I remember correctly, and if you're a Cardinals fan, you might remember better than me in which the Vikings need this to happen, this to happen, this to happen, and win to get to the playoffs. And crazy enough, all of those scenarios happened. So it's like it's insane that the Vikings are being gift-wrapped a spot in the playoffs as long as they beat the lowly Cardinals. And then one of the last plays of the game, as called by Minnesota Vikings television or radio voice, it's Josh McCown with the football in the, one of the most classic calls in football history. that nice. is it is. The season's on the line. Two receivers left and right. McCown takes the snap. He steps up. He's all by himself. Five He's being mugged by his Cardinal teammates. They're Minnesota Vikings crying on the field. (laughs) Now, number one about that clip that's funny, if you ever watch it again, the referee runs over, puts his hands up, puts his hands out, puts his hands up. The old rule in the NFL that doesn't exist anymore is the referee was allowed to make a judgment that if there was no defense the player would have got both feet in and therefore it's a touchdown nate pool got one foot in didn't get the second foot in but as he's falling after leaping and making the catch he gets pushed out of bounds so that's the referee signaling the push wasn't illegal it was just up to the referee to judge if he didn't get pushed would he have scored since then the nfl realized that's dumb why do we make people stop playing defense uh i tell you what if somebody knocks you over or carries you out of bounds or pushes you before you land, no touchdown. But in that day, that was a touchdown. Now, why do I bring that up? I thought this was really funny when I read it. Would you like to guess who the Vikings just hired as their quarterbacks coach? <laughs> they just hired Josh McCown as their quarterbacks coach, and he's the one that threw that pass for one of the greatest calls of all time. No! No! The Cardinals have knocked the Vikings out of them. I mean, it's just such a classic call. The guy's name is Paul Allen. And uh, it's just so cool that that play is one of the greatest plays in football. And it so happens that now Josh McCown's going there. And every time I read something about this, the national media has said nothing about that play. Now, guaranteed, the first time McCown talks to the media, that's going to get brought up. So there was, there was that little story that I wanted to get to today. And there's one more... This really helps the, uh, the Phoenix Suns, if you didn't see what happened yesterday, as the Suns are in this mess with New Orleans, with Cleveland, excuse me, with, with Dallas, and, uh, and a little bit of Golden State, but not much. Golden State's dropped down uh, a little bit. But they're in a battle for uh, Sacramento's right there with them, in a battle to fight to stay out of the play-in game. So, therefore, Dallas is in Cleveland. Cleveland's having a good year. Mad scramble for the ball. Dallas scores. So Dallas takes the lead with only about 4 seconds left in the game and the Cavs are out of timeouts. Why does that matter? Because if you give up a bucket and you're now trailing by 1, you call a timeout in the NBA and you can move the ball to half court to beyond half court. You can move it into the front court, make it a lot easier to score. Cavs can't call a timeout. They don't have any. I think Dallas expected the timeout. Watch everybody for the Mavericks just kind of freeze, some celebrate, some stop paying attention, and watch what Cleveland does after they give up the bucket. Two seconds left. The Cavs are out of timeouts. They have to go 94 feet. Struess from midcourt. Oh! Do you believe this? Whoa! It's Cavs up by one, Mavericks with a little layup, Cavs down by one, boom. And you can see all the Dallas guys are just kind of standing there. Wait, you didn't call a timeout? What? He's now, granted, you're not going to try to get too close and foul a guy shooting a 60 footer, but man, that was pure. That was pure. I missed, my junior year in high school, I missed a last-second shot. Guy shot it, shot it too early, I got the rebound, tried to hit a turnaround 15, 16-footer, and, uh, and, I, and I hate shots from the baseline. I'm I'm already a bad shooter, and then those just mess with my head, and I hit the back of the rim, and it was still too long, and it just went to the other side, and we lost. That stung, but it was cool to actually feel that drama of trying to get it. Izzy, did you ever you hit a last-second shot?
4: Nah not a last second I had a game tying, And then I got placed On the bench And we
0: lost And oh. I was
4: Granted Granted I probably wasn't going to be the deciding factor if I stayed. Yeah. But <laughs> hey, it <was> still hurt. <laughs>
0: if you get the tying bucket, you kind of earned something, didn't you? Did it go? Did it go into overtime, or did you then sit and they they the other team scored in
4: the waning seconds? Yeah, it was about twenty seconds left. My friend hit me with one of the sickest outlet passes, and I got an and one. I smacked the free throw. Oh, I had to sit the bench. I ain't gonna lie, the asthma was getting to me, so okay. he sat me down and throughout the last, I want to say. Yeah, about a minute. It was I was I wasn't able to get back in, and we ended up losing that game by like five. Oh man! So wow, was, five was, points in the last. Minute. Yeah, it was it was sickening, man. Well, that's that's
0: a good story though,
4: kind of. <laughs> yeah, right. We oh man, we didn't win a single game. It was it was oh. it was awful. Senior year, no no wins.
0: Ow It was it was rough. Ouch. That is rough. All right, coming up next, I can't wait to get into some Diamondbacks because I have been pushing off Diamondbacks like crazy. We got a lot of Diamondbacks to get to. We've got a lot of Cardinals combine to get to. And we've got ASU and U of A tonight. So we're. we're pretty packed. Hopefully you enjoyed today's Doug Franz Unplug. We're presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. This is the home of the Arizona Rattlers and the Tucson Sugar Skulls. This is the home of the main event with Steve McCollum and Izzy on Sports. This is WTSMTV.com. This time of year is absolute murder on your heating and cooling system in your home. Call Parker & Son 602 to repair Get a complete checkup. Here's why. You know what it's like this time of year in Phoenix. One day we've got 85 degrees, the next day we've got a high of 50. You're going from heater to air conditioner, sometimes in the same day. Get a checkup to make sure the routine maintenance is taken care of. Join the Parker family plan. Call 6022 Repair. That's 602, the number two, then REPAIR for Parker and Sons.
5: Burrito Express started with my father about. 25 years ago, he got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old. And I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area. Literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location and believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now.
0: Really, uh, really jacked up. I know this seems silly, um, but I, I love spring training baseball. Don't love Goodyear ballpark. Love Goodyear, love living in Goodyear, but I don't love Goodyear ballpark. I shouldn't say I love living in Goodyear. I love my friends that I've made at Goodyear. Uh, I wouldn't mind if Goodyear decided a long time ago Let's invent something called restaurants and have like a downtown and have a cool area of bars and things like that. I I don't think that would have been hard to figure out a long time ago, but obviously with our political leadership, it was very hard for them to figure that out. So that kind of stinks, but it's getting there now. They're supposedly building uh, a bunch of stuff, but now I'm older, so I don't know how often I'll be uh, partaking in it when it's not as cool. Uh, but I, uh, I, I'm excited to go to today's game. Diamondbacks are taking on Cleveland and, uh, game time's at one o'clock. I'm going to get, uh, see Brandon Fott pitch. So I want to watch that, see kind of one of the, some of the things that he's made adjustments on. And then I don't know who's, I haven't looked to see who all is scheduled to pitch from the bullpen, but I, I want to see that. Now, sometimes it's kind of funny when the Diamondbacks used to play in Tucson, they would have a lot of times where guys, when, as, as spring training started to go along, if they were in Phoenix, the guys would just stay there and they wouldn't even go back to Tucson. And that was kind of tough because now you're not doing the standard morning routine, morning workouts, and then having a game at 1 o'clock. And then if they left Tucson and came up, Sometimes they would send not their best team up to Phoenix because the other guys like, hey, I'm already here. I'm not coming back up. It was kind of a mess. Well, I'm always a little worried they're going to do that to us in Goodyear, where they're going to say, listen, I'm not driving from Salt River Fields all the way to Goodyear because it is a rough drive. I mean, it's either the 101 all the way around, or it's the 51 down to the 10, and uh, you got traffic all the time on on a route like that. So hopefully the big boys come. If you haven't seen, I I realized. It's Wednesday, meaning games have been played Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. There's been five games. Five games. But Quetel Barthes is batting 7-14. (laughs) And think about it. That means he's going up against every starter. He's going up against a starting pitcher once or twice and then going back and sitting down because he's only batting about two times a game. So on the one hand, it doesn't mean anything. On the other hand, man, it's better than him batting 100 right now and being like two for 20 in his five games. I mean, let's look at it that way, but at least he's hidden. Uh, Here is Torrey Lavello, and I think this is important, uh, as Eduardo Rodriguez, not good. One inning pitched, four earned runs, two home runs. Now. You can say all you want, and I'm a big believer in the starting pitchers who are veterans. They might be working on this. They might be working on that. They're just out there getting their pitches in. They're building up their pitch count, and maybe they're kind of, hey, I want to see what will happen if I throw a curveball on this. Maybe it's something else. Maybe the guy's like, hey, I'm not throwing my curveball at all today. I'm just working on the slider, and a guy realizes, man, he's throwing a lot of sliders. I'm going to start looking slider. You're not looking at the scouting report. You could care less that this guy cannot hit an inside corner curveball. You're just going to say, you know what, if he can't hit an inside corner curveball, I'm not going to throw my inside corner curveball in spring training. I don't want him to know about the inside corner curveball. I don't want that guy to know. However, you're playing the Rangers, so you don't really have to hide a lot of things for a team that you're going to see three games all season, and you might not even personally pitch against them. So that's kind of that. And you, you were in the American League last year, so you probably pitched against the Rangers a couple times anyway. Some of those guys have seen you. With all of that being said, this is uh, Torrey Lavello talking about, hey, you know, we'll be all right.
6: Um, I thought the ball was coming out of his hand pretty good, maybe a little distracted by some, pla- some balls at the plate that he didn't, he didn't necessarily get. It's part of the game, and I think, you know, we've got to find a way to overcome that, but um, – just an up mistake where the ball carried out of the ballpark for a three-run home run. And just you know, maybe a little fastball dominant trying to find that location. But first outing, I'm fine with what he did. We just want to get that pitch count up and, and let it keep climbing.
0: I mean, I know that he's not lying. I know that's the typical answer. Get your pitch count up. That's what matters. But in getting your pitch count up, you want your guy to throw more than one inning. Like you look at all the other guys for the Diamondbacks, they've been pitching two innings when they did well in the first three games. The first three pitchers of the year all went out two innings pitch, no earned runs, no walks. And then the last two games, there's been a little bit of a shelling, and and Rodriguez gets beat up. So when you say, hey, we want to be able to get the uh, the innings up, or excuse me, the pitch count up. A great way to do that is to be able to throw multiple innings. And when you get shelled, guess what? You don't get. You don't get multiple innings. Here's Rodriguez taking a look at his outing. And he went with the It's Spring.
1: Uh, good. Good. Um, I was throwing my pitches uh, almost right where he wanted. Command was a little off. So, but overall, I feel good. Velocity uh, was right where he wanted, like 90, 92, after 93, sometimes. So overall, everything was good. Just location. That's the one that. That's what we're here on spring training for, so. What, what do you take from spring training
6: outings? Usually do you just do you worry about results at all or is it all about uh,
1: No, I mean, I mean I've been on spring training so much time already that I know like I know how it is, you know. Like there is some spring training that i, I think I give it like two runs on the whole spring training, there is some that I give it a lot of runs, so like for me it's just more to to working on what I'm working. Like today was more working on, on my command and all day it was off. So like that's something that I still need to work on it. But overall like I'm feeling good with all my pitches, so and Velocity was right where he wanted, which was like 90 to 93. So, overall, I take the, the good part out of it. And the good thing is like these results over here don't count. So, that's perfect.
0: Number one takeaway, and I had already uh, heard him talk uh, before, is just thank you, Eduardo. Thank you. I, I don't think we as American media who cover baseball take enough time to say thank you for a guy like Rodriguez who's worked that hard on his English, uh, born and raised in Vel- uh, Venezuela. And then, that, I mean, that was fantastic. That was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, it's uh, the reason why I say something like that is I, I really wish, if in the quote-unquote, if I could do it all over again, I, I don't speak any Spanish whatsoever, like none. But I've loved baseball since I was four. I wish when I went to college I would or even in high school. I took like 3 years of French in high school but admittedly just learned how to say things to cheerleaders that I shouldn't know how to say. That's that's, that's all I did in in French class. And then I kept hearing from the teacher uh, all the time I, you, I don't Izzy, did you do this? Did, did you have to have cheesy names in the foreign language where you, you chose a different name that was common in the country of the language you were talking? <laughs> no, I don't think so. No. Okay. Madame Lise made us all choose different names. So I was Alexander. And then uh all the time in class, she would go, Alexander, tais toi, swapuli. She'd say that all the time. And uh, I never knew what that meant until like years and years and years later, and I found out it meant Doug be quiet or be polite. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Maybe I was talking to Janae Dorn, Katie Roth, some of the, and uh, some girl named Nicole behind me that I can't remember whatever happened to her. But I, I, was, I was talking too often. So that's not going to shock anybody. But anyway, I, uh, I, I wish I would have taken Spanish at the time, and I wish I would have taken Spanish in college to be more fair to these guys as they come in to be able to interact with them. I wouldn't have tried to do Spanish interviews because let's face it, with my job, what's that going to do for the the viewing audience, for the listener? It's not going to do anything. But it would have been a lot better to create a commonality because never in my career, I shouldn't say never, but I would say only two guys in my career were dominant Spanish-speaking guys that I had a strong off-the-record relationship with. Like, I had relationships with guys, you know, casual, hey, I'm media, you know, you're player, let's talk, okay, great, and have interviews, hey, thank you for coming on, you know, blah, 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 stuff like that, and guys that knew me, I knew guys, but there wasn't like a, there, there starts to develop a friendship when you have an off-the-record relationship with somebody, and I never developed that, I, I shouldn't say never, I rarely developed that, and I really think, I would have been better at my job if I would have done that. So number one, I want to take a second and say that about Eduardo because that was that was really good. Number two, uh, in in listening to him, I, I get it. He worried about his speed, and then when you combine that with Lovello, or I should say speed, his velo. And when I when you hear Tori Lovello, he's more talking specifically about what he's able to see, what he's able to do, and he's getting frustrated with the umpire's call. Well. I, you know, I would look at that and say, "Okay, that's a little bit of an issue," because I admit I don't know who was behind the plate yesterday. But you have a lot of AAA and some uh, AAA umpires who are calling balls and strikes in spring training, and you're rotating a lot of umpires. And because of that, I and sometimes umpires even sometimes spring training games. I might be making this up, and it might show my age. It used to be sometimes there'd be spring training games with only three umpires. I don't think they do that anymore. But you'll have a home plate umpire getting ready to run somewhere. So you've got a lot going on in a young umpire's mind. And they can screw it up. And if you're Rodriguez, I don't care if it's spring training. If you're giving up two home runs because you're falling behind because you're frustrated at the umpire, if you're frustrated, overly frustrated at the umpire, that means you aren't just working on pitches. You are competing, and if you are competing, why are you giving up two home runs? I mean, there's there's a little bit of a give and take here. Which one is it? You're right. Spring doesn't matter. You're right. Spring doesn't matter. You're right. Spring doesn't matter. But anytime you give up two home runs in an inning, you only have one inning pitched. You you, you can't explain to me how that's great. How that's great. So. We'll watch. But I hope Eduardo understands just how much this team is going to need from him. I would love to see Brandon Fott continue to put together the exact same ending of the season for a full season. But don't forget how hard that is. How much I feel like we're asking of Brandon Fott. Because if Brandon Fott pitches like the average second-year player, there is something called a sophomore slump. Almost every player goes through it. Why? Because they finally arrived and they feel better about it versus the fact that there's so much more information and data about them. So different hitting coaches and different batters have had an entire offseason to really study somebody. They're going to know this guy better. And once you know somebody better, guess what? You have better results. So now he's got to adjust to the adjustments. With all that's going to be on Brandon Fox' plate, you got to have a good season from Eduardo Rodriguez. Got to, uh, and hopefully that happens. All right, coming up next, uh, let's spend a ton of time looking at the Arizona Cardinals and the information coming from them from the uh, from the combine. Long conversations with Monty Austinfort and Jonathan Gannon. Let's go football next on WTSMTV.com. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar what's the difference you walk in and they actually have games on tv with the sound on how many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game if you're like me a simple guy give me my pizza give me my wings give me my cold beer and make sure i can hear the Suns and d-backs then you want rosati sports pub and chandler all members of the unplugged army welcome rosati sports pub give me the game again um free I want to always compliment when somebody spends uh the money because it's tough it's it's really really tough but a lot of people headed out to the combine uh I I recognized a lot of voices and I didn't hear all the questions at the combine but I recognized a lot of voices and then one of the things that Jonathan Gannon and Monty Austin do a great job of is learning the names of the members of the media now full disclosure it's a great way to suck up okay I have fallen into the trap, too. There's a guy named Jim Grobe, who uh, used to be the, uh, an assistant coach with Air Force, got his first head coaching job at the first Ohio University, and blew me away. I mean, I, am, I was one of only, like, three paid members of the media. Everybody else was student media after I had graduated from Ohio University. And yet, Grobe, his nickname was Grobe, Grobe learned everybody's names even some students he would learn their names so it was my first press conferences post-game and post-practice and stuff like that we would go Doug you know this is the and then he'd answer the question almost every time and I I admit I was like oh yeah he knows who I am and you know when you're young in the business it it does geek you out there's no I can't can't deny it. it it geeks you out but then as you get older into the business it does it does make you feel like I'm developing a relationship with this person and and therefore I'm going to get a little bit more honest answers. Now, on the flip side, guys that are smart and know how to manipulate the media quickly learn their names and what happens is softer members of the media ask softer questions. I went through that as well when I was in Kansas City because... I was, Kansas City was my first major market. I went Athens, Ohio, Huntsville, Alabama, which was like a, we had a lot of minor league sports in Huntsville, Alabama. Then when I get to Kansas City, there's Chiefs and Royals. And eventually, at the time, the Kansas City Dragons, who are now sporting KC of MLS. And then we also have a NASCAR race and a golf tournament, things like that. So anyway, as I first got into now major league sports, I did realize that I started to get softer impressors with guys that I knew really, really well. It was easy to ask tough questions to guys I didn't know well. And I had to learn to balance, and I even had conversations with guys because I remember alienating guys who were like, hey, you know, I thought we were like, well, what is that? And I said, listen, I still have a great relationship with you. If, I, if you want to turn on me, go right ahead. But it doesn't change the fact I've got a job to do. I didn't really have great conversations like that in Kansas City, but I learned from it. And then here, it was a lot easier. You have to kind of go through that maturation as a member of the media. But I do have to acknowledge that I can tell by watching the pressers how guys do enjoy feeling like they're close to Monty and Jonathan Gannon. And I think these two, I think they're playing people. I totally believe that. Not in a dishonest way. But acting like I'm getting close to you guys as media, when in truth you're really not getting an inside scoop. We'll see if I'm wrong as I get to as I talk to more media members and see kind of what scoops that they may or, or may not have. I want to get into Cardinals. I like the way that you um you organize the sheets. Uh, so I, I just want to I'll go straight down it for the most part. Um, other than no, let's go straight down. This works really well. So we'll start with Jonathan Gannon, and we'll go into Monty Asenfort. But thanks again to PHNX for sending somebody to be able to record this and so we can use it. I would – the thing I like about Jonathan Gannon's first – this is the simple question. Everybody answers it, but there's just something about the immediacy of the answer. We don't, we don't have the question included because you could barely hear any of the questions. There wasn't a handout, a pass-around microphone for these press availabilities. But the split second, whoever it was that asked the question, stopped talking. Gannon answered like, boom, right at it. And the question is simple. All right, when you're talking to players, when you're watching players, when you're watching film, when you're here at the Combine, what is it that you're looking for to have a player become a Cardinal?
2: If they love ball and if they're team guys, first. So we're getting – it's awesome meeting with them, Um, getting to start to know them as people. Um, before you really dive into the tape, but uh, really looking for the what I call the price of admission if they fit that. So we've had a lot of good guys that we've already talked to. We've got a lot more meetings scheduled the next couple days. So uh, it's a really cool process for us.
0: Um, do you remember Dayon Buchanan? He was kind of a hybrid linebacker safety. He, he They kind of invented a position for him called the dollar linebacker because you have the nickel and the dime. And then it was like, you know what, since we want somebody that's used to playing in the secondary being in there in case the other team is in a pass, fa- pass, uh, pass only down, third and long, something like that. But just in case they get a little squirrely and they either want to run or we need to cover the tight end, let's have Dayon Buchanan play linebacker. So he was kind of a dollar linebacker is what they called it. And it was right in the proliferation of the spread. So therefore a lot of times guys are you know, teams were going three or four wide you know no matter what, just no matter what they were doing that even first and ten, second and three, it didn't matter. They were doing it. So the Cardinals drafted Dayon Buchanan And it was a player that, admittedly, I'll never forget, I used to run this massive mock draft. It's kind of a funny story. I did it in Alabama. I feel like I invented the mock draft, and I don't mean the mock draft where Mel Kuyper Jr. makes picks and tries to guess who every team is gonna pick, and then everyone in the world now does a mock draft. I don't mean something like that. I meant fans of my show in Alabama made the picks. I hadn't heard anybody doing that. I did it in around 1998. I think was the first year I did it, maybe 1999. Loved it, it was a lot of fun, highly entertaining to do that. Well, we did that here in Phoenix a couple times. The original guy that used to run the station left and went to Seattle, and he hated my idea, hated the mock draft idea, so he blocked me from doing it. Well, when he left, we did it, and then he came back, and then as soon as he came back, what did he do? He got rid of the mock draft, so we stopped doing it. But when we did the mock draft, it was a lot of fun, and I'll never forget somebody who had the Arizona Cardinals pick drafted Dayone Buchanan. And I said, What are you doing? I don't think his mother would draft him right this high. And he drafted the guy, you know, Dayon in the first round. And he said, I'm telling you, this guy can play. This guy can play. And it was really interesting to me. I went back, looked at some of the Dayon Buchanan, Washington State stuff I had, I'm like, wow, okay. Well, Steve Kime told me one really cool story. He said, There was a time when I'm watching the film and they're down by 30. And that's when I could really tell, are you a player? That's the time when the weaker guys check out. They go through the motions. If we can't win, this doesn't matter. Dayon Buchanan play just as hard no matter what the score is. That means you love ball. I want that guy. Now we can we can talk all we want about the misses of Steve Keim. but when you hit, we should talk about that too. He's the one that traded up for Buda Baker. Give Steve Keim credit. Dayon Buchanan, at that time in the game of football, in the game of football's development, he was a fantastic pick. He wouldn't be now. His his position's already obsolete. But at the time, it was a really thoughtful selection, and he found somebody that loved the game. And that's why I like that answer, and I found it interesting from Jonathan Gannon. Just how quickly he said it. Do they love ball? And that's what you want to know. And that kind of reminds me of Kenny Dillingham, and I like that. A lot of guys will say it, that, hey, we want a guy that loves ball. But you could tell Jonathan Gannon by throwing it immediately, and it goes higher than your desire to be a team guy first. And he feels like he can tell that. I think you can tell it on film more than you can in an interview. But one of my favorite interview questions at the Combine is this. And Izzy, I probably have already asked you this question, but I'm going to ask you it anyway, and we'll see if your answer has changed. If, if you are the player, I'm the GM, you're a college kid, you know you're going to be a first-round pick. But the question is, are you top 10 or are you top 20? And you are an elite athlete. You have won award after award after award. And I ask you, you can choose one, a gold jacket, your bust in Canton, Ohio, your family sitting around while you give a speech, imagine everybody there. Now you have a big party because you're a Hall of Famer, and for the rest of your life, you go back and sit on that stage and watch other people join you in the Hall of Fame or one Super Bowl championship. Just one. That's it. Which would you rather have?
4: Oh, man, you had me as soon as you said just one. Just one Super Bowl. Um, uh, if it's just one, I think I think I might go to the
0: Hall of Fame. Okay. Now, here's what's great about that. I I, I don't know how anybody would judge because I like how you just find, ah, if it's just one, that's not enough. But here's the thing that di- still shows me you're a competitor because you want more than one. However, there's an argument here that some people say, if you want the Hall of Fame, that shows you're willing to do whatever it takes. To, you are already helping your team win. If you, The only way you get to the Hall of Fame is to be the, one of the best of all time. And if you want to be one of the best of all time, then that shows what are you doing? You're helping your team win. However, if you only are playing for a Super Bowl, wouldn't it be for a Super Bowl? See, I look at it, and I am reminded of a guy like a Randy Moss or a Terrell or a T. Owens. There's no doubt with their numbers, they're Hall of Famers, right? They've got Hall of Fame numbers. But there are clear-cut video uh, out there of Randy Moss taking a ton of plays off, not wanting to run. Imagine being an offensive coordinator and not knowing on this specific play is Randy Moss going to try hard or not. How do I know? So Randy Moss is in it for the individual accolades. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer without Tom Brady. A lot of people think I'm crazy on that. But he had great years with Tom Brady. Why? Because he bought into the team concept, didn't take plays off, and now you saw the full, and I, I, this is amazing, he actually had a very high football IQ. So you, you've got his mental capacity, you've got his athleticism, And you got the accuracy of a quarterback that helped him with yards after the catch. You got all that in New England. You look at some of his Raider tape, it's awful. It is awful. It is lack of competition. It's a guy that's checked out. It's just trash. And yet he's given all the accolades. So he got both. He got a Hall of Fame and a Super Bowl because of Tom Brady. But I think I can tell, are you a guy that's just focused on the gold jacket or are you a guy focused on winning? Because sometimes you have to sacrifice your own stats. What if you're a corner? And what if your only job is cover this guy, cover this guy, cover this guy, that's it. Focus on this guy. And then you see a guy break off his route underneath you. You've got a chance at an interception. So you break on that route so you can get the pick. That's what you want. You want the pick. So you break on a route that another guy is running, and your guy goes straight down the field quarterback sees it throws a touchdown pass if you are an above average corner you probably get beat give up a touchdown because you're in it for the individual glory however if you're like an Asante Samuel if you're Nnamdi Asamoah if you're one of the greats of all time uh like is anybody gonna get mad uh Rivas Island decides you know what I think I can get this I'm gonna gamble oh you go right ahead <laughs> You know, depends on who you are. You go right ahead. You now praise that guy for seeing the route, knowing what's happening, baiting the quarterback and getting the, 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 uh, getting the interception. But a, an above average corner might not be able to do all that. So what's your mindset? Is your mindset, do my job help the team win? Or is your mindset, I got to make a special play in order for people to pay attention to me? And other people say, you're supposed to make plays. Go get the pick. Well, Am I going after the sack because I want to sack the quarterback and I'm going to abandon my run responsibility? So now they get a big run. Nobody knows. Nobody knows other than my coach. I screwed up in order to get the sack, in order to get the money that comes with the sack, in order to get to the Hall of Fame. See how all that works together? I I love the conversation. You're not wrong if you say Hall of Fame. But that, that immediately, if I'm the coach or GM, I'm okay. okay, Isaiah, I'm going to do a little bit more digging into you. I'm going to see, are you making plays in college or are you abandoning your responsibilities? I'm going to go talk to more people. I'm going to talk to you, the janitor of the locker room, and I'm going to find out how did you treat other people. If you're destined and promoting the Hall of Fame for yourself, but you're stepping on other people to get there, then I know you're a prima donna. Then I know it's all about you. But if you treat everybody great, for an example, there was in scouting um, LeBron James. The Cleveland Cavaliers were shocked what a great human being he was. And then in the second year of his of his tenure with the Cleveland Cavaliers, a trainer asked him, "Why do you always fold up your stuff? Like everybody else is just throwing stuff in the bin. They're doing this. They're doing that. And." LeBron was actually a multimillionaire millionaire at, at 20 years old, is folding stuff. And LeBron told the trainer, I know what it's like to not have anything. So I've been taught to take care of what I have. <laughs> when you, now, no matter what you think of LeBron, when you hear a story like that, doesn't that make you go, oh, that, that's, that's a window into somebody's soul. And that's what you're trying to get to with some of these guys. That's what's, uh, that's what's really important um, for that. Here's one. Uh, if you don't make sure my 360's on, Izzy. This is one of my favorite moments in the history of the old show. Speaking of the combine, one time I asked Bruce Arians, because Bruce Arians talked about getting to know players. And everybody says, you know, you, ask, you do this to get to know players, you do that. And I said, wait a minute, Bruce, wait a minute. What do you ask then? If you think you're really good at figuring out what um? What's inside a player's head? What's the type of question that you can get into their head with?
3: When's the last time you smoked weed?
0: <laughs> When's the last time you smoked weed? And the reason why he asks that is because he knows players that are full of crap will lie, but they've already got the drug test. The first thing, one of the first things that happen when you get to Indianapolis is the drug test. So we already know. So if a guy says last week, all right. I know he smokes, but at least I know he's honest about it. We can deal with that. We can talk to him about it. We can work it blah, 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 blah. And I've always said, I don't care what your opinion is on marijuana. You can say it should have been legalized 40 years ago, 100 years ago. You can say that it should never be legalized. We should be fighting it tooth and nail. I don't care what your opinion is on that. Just think of it this way. At the NFL time, up until recently, they're testing for it and you would lose money. You would lose almost a full round. Warren Sapp dropped like 15 spots, I think it was. Maybe it was only 10 in the draft because of a positive marijuana test, okay? You cost your family money, your life. You made massive mistakes just because you couldn't skip it for six months to get ready for the NFL uh, combine. So I at least know there's an issue there. No matter what you're feeling is, I mean, marijuana's not that big of a deal, Doug. I don't care what you think. All I know is the facts are for most of the NFL's history. It was crushing to your draft stock and somebody did it anyway. That's what I need to know as an evaluator. I need to know that, that that's the kind of decision-making that you make. And then there's, there's that question from Bruce. I just want to know. All right. So now I know if you're honest about it, if you're not, I've already got the test. I already know. I know the answer to this question before you do. I I thought that was fantastic. All right, let's go to the next one. Um, This is Jonathan Gannon. This is me being fair. I've taken a lot of shots at at Michael Bidwell over the last two or three years. I think they're deserved. I'm not backing down on anything I say. But I think it's unfair for me then to, like, block another version getting out. So this question has to do with the interesting scenario of the NFLPA having a survey with all of its players. And overall... Michael Bidwill slash the facility slash organization ranking in 31st place. This is two years ago, ranking in 31st place and 32nd place in a lot of things. So in other words, players on the Arizona Cardinals, especially ones that were free agents elsewhere, saying this is from a facility standpoint, from a training standpoint, from a food standpoint, from all of these things of, that are is basically under the question, is my owner devoted to winning? Michael Bidwill is one of the worst or the worst owner in different categories, okay? Then, when the Eagles came and lost in the Super Bowl, they used the Cardinals' facilities. The NFC was the home team, and whoever's the home team in a Super Bowl usually uses the NFL local team's facilities. And then the road team uses a local college team's facilities. That's part of your Super Bowl bid. So, the Eagles got to see firsthand, and there were a lot of reports that players were grumbling about, I can't believe the Cardinals, this is their regular thing. So, now you're the Eagles' defensive coordinator. You're going to become the Eagles' head coach, allegedly. And as you're there, you're seeing the facilities that have been voted the worst, some of the worst in the NFL. So, Jonathan Gannon's asked about that survey. And it's an int- it's a it's a great answer. I'll go deep into it in a second. But this is what he had to say.
2: Yeah, truthfully, um, when I got on the job, a lot of those things that were in the works to get adjusted was not Monier and I. That was Michael. So he was adjusting to some of those things. Uh, making improvements, doing, hey, I want to do this, this, this and this. Great. you know, I mean, does it help the players? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. So he had a lot of that going on before I even got on the job. And then when I got on the job, Monty and I were like, okay, you know, we could use this. We could use this. Let's set this up a little bit better. It makes it better for the players. Michael says, great. Do it. Um, So he's he's been fantastic. I think uh, I don't know how that gets scored. I don't know how that gets distributed. I don't know who takes that. Um, But I think that you'll see that our players were very pleased with how they were served in 2023.
0: I'm only playing that for you, to be fair. Do I believe it? No. Do I have proof that he's lying? No. Do I even... And maybe he's not lying. I'm just saying the history of the organization, it's hard for me to believe that. However... Let's be blunt. That is an area where me not being credentialed hurts my knowledge of this because this is the type of thing you have a relationship with a player over a couple of years, I'm able to talk to them, and then I say, hey, when that survey comes back around, how, how would you rate Arizona now? What, what kind of thing? And if, and if I get two or three players that are telling me, oh, it's much better, it's much better. I'm gonna believe it. And maybe it is. I don't know that. But I wanted to be fair and play that version of it. Now the standard question: you've said before Kyler Murray's your starting quarterback, Kyler Murray's your franchise quarterback. Now he's actually gonna have an offseason in this offense. What are you seeing from Kyler? Why do you still why do you believe in Kyler? Just give us a Kyler riff.
2: Yeah, I I mean, just reps, time on task with him. You know, I know he can do it all, but I think just his comfort level of operating at a really high level, which he showed obviously during the year that he can do, but uh, I don't think you've seen his best ball either. And uh, I'm very confident in that because he's a guy that attacks getting better every day. And, um, you know, it's a new system for him. He's, you know, it's new for him. And playing the quarterback position, it's one thing to be a a corner playing in a new system. It's another thing to be a quarterback playing in a new system. So um, I thought he handled it extremely well. And I think sky's the limit for the guy.
0: Number one, I forgot one point on the previous statement about all the things Michael has done. Isn't that embarrassing? How great Jonathan Gannon handled that question, and yet the local radio station that was too afraid to ask about it couldn't, didn't ask. Why is it a federal Former federal prosecutor couldn't handle a question about the facilities, the changes, and the things that are going on, and Jonathan Gannon can handle it that well. That you had to protect and hide your team owner and you, you have willing accomplices at, at supposedly unbiased media that were too afraid to ask. Yeah, Jonathan Gannon can handle it, it was perfect. It's a great answer. Um, secondly, the, the thing about Kyler, can you imagine the amount of recantations that are going to be deserved at the end of this next season? And I and I mean either by people like me or maybe the, the guys that have loved Kyler forever. Here's why I say that. He's actually going to have a full off season in offense and how many offensive court, quarterbacks have been through this for years. So we're really going to learn, was it Cliff's fault or was it Kyler based on what this season is going to be like? Granted, it takes 11. Granted, with this receiving core, it's not going to be easy and it's up to the GM to be able to adjust. But really, I don't care who your receivers are, if your eyes are going in the right place and people aren't open, that's not on the quarterback. But if your eyes aren't seeing the coverage, then it doesn't matter that your receivers aren't that good. You were never looking where you were supposed to be looking. It's really going to be an interesting dynamic for Kyler Murray because it's almost like now it's fair. And people like me that have... uh, I've never thought Kyler's terrible. I've just thought Kyler's average. I don't don't buy into the hype. And there's a lot of people that think my opinion's very, very unfair. And they take into account a cliff or the the talent or things like that. This is going to be an interesting year for him and for everybody that's ever had an opinion on it. Last one from Jonathan Gannon is simple just talk about culture to us uh where are you at from last year and and let's face it what did you think about last year now that you've had time to reflect on it
2: yeah I mean I've told you guys you know four games isn't winning enough you know what I mean but I do think that uh we have a good plan in place to improve our players and get better and um You know, I think what it speaks to is, is the kind of the culture in the locker room, you know, the people in the locker room. Culture, guys, is people and how you behave. That's it. It's not some fancy word. It's like, hey, like, who do you have and how do we behave on a daily basis, right? So it's my job to hold them to that, say, hey, this is what we want. And then let's make sure we do it. And when it's right, we point that out. And when it's not right, we point that out. And then ultimately the locker room took that over this year. So, you know, um, we got good guys in a locker room. That's why Monty and I are so convicted. Anyone that we put in this locker room, they got to fit that, you know what I mean? It's not for everybody. And, and like I said, that's okay. Um, it's what we value as an organization. You know, that piece to player acquisition. Um, I just feel like that's, if you have enough of those guys, you, you you'll win.
0: I want to tread lightly because I've never once heard a coach say in a press conference, well, we, have a, we had a lot of bad guys last year. And luckily, we've been able to get rid of a lot of the bad guys. You, you don't hear that. So, of course, he's going to say we have a lot of good guys. But the one thing that if you're a Cardinals fan, you're really going to want to latch on to if it was true is Jonathan Cannon saying... We pointed out where, where you, you're acting the way we want. We pointed out where you're not being held accountable. And then the locker room took that over. That's, that's a huge statement. If coaches aren't coaching leadership anymore, they can actually coach people. You coach improvement and you coach scheme, everything changes. Bill Belichick, one of the reasons why he's the greatest coach of all time is, A, yes, he had the greatest quarterback of all time. That makes every coach good. But he's such a brilliant mind that if he doesn't have to worry about policing the locker room, if everybody's falling in line because Tom Brady says, this is how we do it here, then you just have the football mind of Bill Belichick not having to build culture anymore. You lose Tom Brady, and it doesn't matter how brilliant Bill Belichick is. Now he's trying to build culture and trying to win games. And we saw how ugly that got and how quickly it got that way. So that's important. Let's go to the other side, the front office side. Monty Fort talking. Tell me if you think he dodged this question or if you think it's just totally fair. I just give you the question first, and it is, do you look at Michael Wilson and say that's a legitimate WR1, a wide receiver 1.
6: Yeah, you know, I, you know, I think everybody starts putting labels on guys like number one this, number one that. I think Michael Wilson is a very talented receiver, and I think he showed that last year. He made a ton of plays for us um, as a receiver, uh, run after the catch, catching the ball in contested situations. Um, an underrated part of Mike's game is uh, his blocking ability, which is important in our run game. And so, you know, I'm not going to put a label on Mike. All I know is that I'm glad Mike's on our team, and he's a good player, and he's only going to continue to get better. And we're, we're looking forward to having him moving him to 2024 for
0: political answer because here's why if i ask you the question do you think larry fitzgerald's a wide receiver one (laughs) i mean if you allow me to go to an extreme what's he gonna is he really even gonna answer the question what really no Uh, we're looking to replace him next question you know i mean that that's kind of the ridiculousness you would get as an answer so when somebody asks and you do the dance hey I don't care about labels. We're doing this. We're doing this. This is just something to monitor. If somebody ever asks, is this guy a QB1, an RB1, and he gushes about him, that's interesting. Do I think Michael Wilson is, is a wide receiver one? I think that's, that's, that's too much of a stretch for me. But that doesn't mean he can't be. I'm just not going to stand on the table for it. But I do want him, you know, I, I would have a very similar answer. I would dance. I would dance on that. But I do want him. I think they crushed that draft pick. And especially it, when you talk about the value. This was interesting. Fort was asked about how COVID and the extra years of eligibility have affected the draft. And he, he, I, I love deep answers like this.
6: Yeah, no, I think, I think we're still feeling the effects of that. You know, I think, um, you know, really that. what what I've, at least in my opinion, what I've seen is that has affected the later rounds of the draft and certainly undrafted free agency. And I think the other part that affects that is when you combine that with um, the NIL that's hitting college football, um, you know, it's more attractive for players that may not be first, second, third, fourth round draft picks to stay in school. So when you add in the ability for guys to stay in school an extra year with the COVID year, along with it's more attractive financially for players to stay in, I think it's really, hampered the depth of the draft specifically when you get to that last day and then certainly undrafted free agency
0: first day Thursday night first round Friday night day two second and third round so when he says that last day he's talking about rounds four through seven and then he said and specifically the undrafted free agents that's really interesting some of the guys can make more money being in college than they can as a fifth round pick so they don't they they stay longer so they can make more money and try to be better at football for the next draft, try to improve their draft stock. However, what does that mean? The better players are 23, 24 years old, as opposed to the special guys that used to be 21, so you have a player at a younger age, so you hope they hit their prime at a, a, a little bit better point while you've got them. It's It's... I thought that was a pretty deep answer, and it's interesting on how COVID and now NIL is affecting the draft, and I I think he's proven absolutely right. But what you'll hope for is higher football IQ players because they've played longer when they get to the NFL. Uh, The next one, I couldn't help but laugh when you hear this. I'm thinking of Steve Kine the whole time I was hearing Monty Austin Ford answer this question. See if you have the same thought I do. He was simply asked about Zavin Collins and the fact that the decision is coming up soon on whether or not you're going to pick up his fifth year option.
6: Yeah, so Zaven, I thought Zaven had a good year for us last year. You know, we did, we went through a transition with him just positionally, um, got back to some things that he did in Tulsa coming out of uh, college. And so, you know, I thought Zaven made a lot of great strides throughout the season, was out there for us, a lot of snaps, um, played the whole year. And, you know, I think with him, as with all of our players, I think we're going to, we expect to see a jump from year one to year two, um, his comfort level, um, just getting more used to the position, um, you know, in terms of the fifth year option, and we got some time on that, and we're going to continue to figure that out here as we go. We got a couple months to figure that out. And that, that, again, it's a part of the bigger discussion as it goes to building our roster, just roster construction, not only for 2024, but 2025. So, you know, we'll work through that, but certainly excited that we have Zaven. Zavin, I thought, again, made great strides last year. Um, and we're excited. I think he's gonna make another step this year.
0: That's mostly a bold lie, <laughs> but not a total lie. But well, let me get I love this topic, okay? So here's the breakdown, breakdown, breakdown. Number one. Don't you laugh at Steve Kime, okay? Draft draft Reddick. Move him to a different position. Draft Zayvon Collins, move him to a different position. Draft Isaiah Simmons, move him to a different position. Then be shocked they don't play very well. And what what is Monty for? even though he wasn't talking about any other player, what did he say? Well, we moved Zavin back to what he did at, at, at Tulsa. He felt a lot more comfortable. He had a much better year. Oh, hey, that's kind of a great idea, Steve Kime. If you're going to draft somebody like in the fifth round and you want to experiment with them at a better position, go ahead. You don't draft first round guys and then screw with them like that, then they're not first-round talent. You haven't seen them do what you're asking them to do if it's in the first round. So you just took a first-round pick. Why? It's just dumb. Dumb drafting on Steve Kimeswar. But here's why I say that's a lie. Are you really going into the fifth-year option decision not knowing what you're going to do? Really? Now, if you don't know what that means, it's part of the CBA. So you draft a guy... I think that would be the 2021. Do you mind if I cheat? I think it's the 2021 draft. Um, I don't see it. uh, Yes, I was right. Okay, I got lucky. So you draft a guy in 2021. Then you watch him play for three years, 21, 22, 23. As they enter their fourth year, you have to tell the guy whether or not you are going to bring them on and keep them for the fourth for their fifth year. However, the fifth year has tiers based on how often you play and what accolades you got. So Zayvon Collins has no real accolades and not enough playing time. So he's called a basic player. That means at some point between now and May 2nd, you have to decide if you're going to pay Zayvon Collins about $13, $14 million a year for him to be your linebacker, not in 24 and 2025. Are you going to pick it up or are you going to allow him to be a free agent? Come on. You're going to pay him $14 million on a one-year contract to play linebacker? Yeah, and you don't get to watch this year and make that decision. You've got until the end of April to make that decision. You tell me that they haven't made that decision. Get real. Now, the reason why I said 95% of a lie, maybe they don't sign the free agents they want. Maybe this draft and free agency doesn't go the way they want, and Zavin becomes an inexpensive option for 2025. But again, you don't get to watch him in 2024 and decide to pick up his fifth-year option. You've got to decide before year four if you want to pay the guy for year five. I'm going to say that's a lie. I'm going to say they've already decided they're not going to pick up his fifth year option. He still plays for you in 2024. You can still franchise him. You can still re-sign him after 2024. But you're a, you're saying to the world, we're going to allow you to become a free agent. And if he has a great year, guess what he's going to do? Go test free agency first. If he has a bad year, you've made the right decision by not uh, picking up his fifth year option. I'm just calling out the lie of, oh, we've got plenty of time to make that decision. We're not going to. They've, they've made the decision uh, more than likely. All right, the last one. I like this because of the running back position. How does this work? What do you see from running backs? Why aren't they getting paid? Why are Saquon Barkley's of the world out there? Why, why, aren't, why aren't running backs making the bank they think they should?
6: Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Uh, running back is a uh, running back is a tricky one. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's hard for me to say. Um, really, not going to make any predictions on that. I think it really bears, we'll we'll see in a couple of weeks. It, it really, hey, the, the the market goes to you know whatever someone's willing to pay. And so you know, I just I always get reminded like when I when I was a kid, right? I, I collected baseball cards, and so every month I'd buy the the Beckett baseball card monthly, and I'd open it up and say, oh, I'd take it to my dad and say, oh, I got this card, and it's worth this much and my dad's response is like no it's worth whatever somebody's willing to pay you for it and so you know unfortunately that's a little bit what the free agency market is whether it's running backs or any position so it's really got to kind of wait and see how the market bears out
0: all right here's one of those general generational questions izzy I-, I have to know this even though i pretty much know the answer monty Austin ford said the value is whatever anybody's willing to pay you for it because he used to open up the becket and tell his dad look how much this is worth is he when he said that do you have any idea what the beckett is no clue <laughs> whatsoever <laughs> okay now listen. when i'm a kid i had a life Played tons of baseball, went to the batting cages, loved doing that. Played outdoor baseball, Outdoor baseball, played baseball with my neighbor all the time, one-on-one with a tennis ball. I rode my bike to the pool, but not to swim, to play shirts and skins, pick up basketball. Man, I did all kinds of stuff as a kid, but I would lay out my baseball cards about once a month, and I would buy baseball cards like once a week, and then I would line them up, And then I would pull out my Beckett. And it was a magazine that told you how much individual baseball cards were worth. Your baseball card had a year, a manufacturer, and an individualized number. And you would look up the number from the whole stack of tops and your stack of Bennett's and your stack of Fleers and your stack of upper decks. And you'd look and see how much is this card worth. Oh, this card's now gone up. So you move that card into the different packaging and you moved your cards around. I did it once a month, all the time. I now like Monty Austin for a lot. I got to admit that. Is it geeky? Yeah, as I look back, absolutely it is. But I wasn't a Dungeons and Dragons kind of guy. I wasn't fantasy stuff. I wasn't a comic book bot guy. This was, look how much money I'm getting. And my dad would look at it and says, that doesn't look like money. And I just kept thinking it was money. That's what I looked at. And then what happens? The steroid era hit. None of those guys got into the Hall of Fame. So my Barry Bonds uh, rookie went from $200 to probably it's worth about 40 bucks.
4: <laughs> that's, that's insane because I, I, I still see people collecting cars to this day, but I've never heard of a Beckett before. Like, oh,
0: yeah, yeah. It was a big deal it, because now every magazine in the world's online. I bet there's right. something there now online. But, man. I would buy a Beckett instead, which is dumb. Thinking about it, why didn't I buy the baseball cards? Why didn't I buy more cards? The Beckett doesn't go up in value, but I wanted to know the value, so I bought the Beckett. I I loved I loved the Beckett, loved the Beckett. Uh, how much time do I, have? I got? You know what? Let's let's cram in some hoops. Give me Hurley one if you could. The reason why I like this this is sentimental. Bobby Hurley Jr. is going to have senior night tonight. Bobby Hurley Jr so what does the dad think about going through senior night tonight here's bobby yeah
3: i mean he's really grown up here little guy when we first started and just uh a big supporter obviously uh always around practice games uh very invested and uh and now it's come full circle he's you know really been a great teammate really uh it's fun to have the exchanges we're able to have in practice where I could pull him aside and say something to him about something bad that might've just happened or or something good. And to be able to share those moments with him the last couple of years have been, uh, it's been just so rewarding for me and uh, so proud of him and the, and the man that, that he's become. And uh, so it's something to be definitely, uh, it's gonna be very, very emotional uh, to, to to see Bobby walk uh, through uh, out to, out to half court, that's going to be that's going to be a tough moment.
0: It's not. It's one of those things where I, I'm interested to see how the media and fans react to tonight. And the reason why I say this is Bobby Hurley's an emotional dude. It's going to get to him, and then it's like, okay, turn around and coach. I'm not saying they're going to do well. I think he's is going to get run out of the gym again. However, having said that. I don't blame Bobby Hurley's emotions of senior night. I blame all the other things of Bobby Hurley going into this game, not adopting different things. We've talked about this for, uh, you know, ad nauseum. But one thing I will protect him from is if somebody tries, oh, he's too distracted on senior night. No, he's not. They're just not very good. And you face a lot better. And Bobby Hurley's done a bad job this year. There's other reasons why you get blitzkrieged and it has nothing to do with senior night. You pick this game up, you drop it three weeks ago, guess what? They get blitzkrieged, okay? <laughs> it doesn't matter that it's senior night. That's my opinion on that. It's time for the main event getting underway, so let's get a sneak peek into what's going on as Dale Hellistray is getting ready and in, some, in some other place. I, who knows what Dale does? And Steve McCollum, the driver of the main event, is already sitting down at his studio getting ready. What's on your mind, Steve? I've been getting
5: ready like, since 4.30 this morning, gamer, baby. Gamer. I know. Uh, that's sickening It's sickening I don't know how you do it, Doug I don't know how you do it
0: <laughs> It's a little strange it is, it, is, it is a little strange Especially last night Last night was uh, I'm now, It's now bad when I nap too long Because then I have to stay up later now I, just, I should be taking like 30-minute naps, and mm-hmm. I went for three hours yesterday, and then now that's... Yeah, with everything
5: up. going on uh, with me around here, I hit a wall yesterday. Man. I bet. I was I out bet. of it. And it's like, oh, crap. It's only Tuesday, and I hit that wall. All right. Let's
0: for those of this. you that don't know, Izzy and Steve McCullum are just doubling up. Izzy gets here at 4 in the morning and then does a 1 o'clock sh- in the afternoon show iOS. Steve has picked up being the headliner of our business <laughs> channel no, and an doing now. a new business show <laughs> to the point that... You've got a potential wardrobe malfunction going on in your office every day getting ready for the business show
5: yeah well that and uh just being ready for the business show yeah uh it's one of those things i mean uh you know technical problems and things like it's been fun so far but we're trying to develop this show and get it up and running so like every day's changed so you know it's like every day we have a little meeting afterwards it's like all right we gotta adjust this we gotta do this i had a technical problem yesterday that kind of cracked me up that uh, hopefully nobody at home would notice but uh, it was kind of funny for me to go through
0: and uh you know it's just uh it's been a fun time so far that's awesome well for those of you that are the unplugged army you've heard me talk forever about wtsm sports and 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 what we're trying to do on the sports side that steve's obviously a major major part of but even if you join the live uh, level even if you come in at the basic level even if you come in at the premium level the business channel is included in that Mm -hmm. so now you get something extra so it's just one more reason to join us here at wtsm tv to get involved with that I want you to hear this, and I I want to hear what you think about this, because you are always a tiny bit more conspiracy theorist than I am, (laughs) even though I'm off the deep end on the draft lottery and believing that that's rigged. There's other things that you read into. I don't. Sometimes I read into something you don't. I want you to hear this. Devin Booker was asked whether or not he saw the Monty Williams clip of Monty going off about the non-call in the Knicks game. So he's asked about that, and he, this is just what did he think I, about it. Just for the record, I have no idea what you're throwing at me This here, is good. So, this is yeah. good, then. It makes it even yeah. better. So this, the only question is your thoughts about, hey, Monty that you've seen before getting upset at officiating, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tough thing to do, you know, because I've been in those situations where, you know, you're on a losing team and, you know, a referee might not care about, you know, this, this game for you guys tonight. And, you know, the odds are stacked up against you and you're trying to fight for a win and you're doing everything you can. And, you know, it comes down to that. So, um, I mean, I'm sure the players love that, you know, coach standing on that um, and being out in the open with it. Those are that's the type of coaches you want to play for. Thanks, folks.
0: Thank, 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 Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, before I even give a remote mm. opinion, what do you think about
5: that? Uh, well, Devin Booker is one of the guys that ran Monty out of town. So I find that last <laughs> comment kind of interesting, right? Uh, you know, he, well, I, I, running out of town is kind of harsh, but uh, I think he was done playing for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Paul, of course, being another one uh, that kind of d- led that. Uh, I mean, he, he said everything correct. It's just, I made fun of Monty a lot yesterday, and I thought about it more last night, and I didn't make fun of him enough. You're 8-39. I, I get it. You're upset, but don't take out your failed season and your crappy coaching uh, with your crappy players, uh, with your decent players and your crappy coaching, uh, out on the referees at the same time. You know.
0: So. I, so I'm not saying he said this, but the reason why I wanted your opinion is whether or not you were going to read into the last comment mm-hmm. that that's the kind of guy you want to play for, yeah. and if he was saying anything negative about Frank Vogel. If you was saying anything uh, negative of trying uh, to push Frank a little bit to, hey, you need to be sticking yeah. your neck out for us about this officiating. You need to be doing that. Monty did it. We need that from you. Or if it's just, he's just throwing some flowers to Monty because Monty's gone. Yeah, and he
5: got rid of him. So that's the way I took it. Okay. Was, uh, he's just saying it to Monty. Uh, I don't. I don't. I still. I'm still not decided if the Suns like playing for Mon, or for uh, Frank or not. To be honest with you, yeah. some days I'm like they like him. Some days I'm like they don't like him, um, and I'm not sold on which way they are. To be honest with you, so I guess that's kind of my deal. But um, I think any time. Everybody, does. even Giannis did this when they got rid of his handpicked coach this year, mm-hmm. right? And he's like, Oh, I, I had no idea. I, yeah. uh, that's a guy I wanted to play for. It's like, you know, you've signed off on it, man. And yeah. that's what Booker did last year with CP3 and a couple other guys on Monty. So I thought maybe it was just one of those deals. But ah, now that you bring it up, ooh,
0: conspiracy. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I was wondering if you went there. Now, my other thought on this, and I really did uh, like it, is the deep dive, what he said at the beginning, into mm-hmm. officiating, mm-hmm. that when you're in that moment of losing, Mm-hmm. A lot of referees are looking at the game like this do, this one doesn't matter to you. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 plus we know that the NBA gives a lot of younger officials to the weaker teams mm-hmm. to learn from and they'll be in games where people don't talk much about it mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter when they make their mistakes and that does happen. But I liked I like Booker just coming out and saying that that hey, you know, you can tell that some referees are like hey, this game's not going to matter to you tonight and then maybe they're not as focused. 100% and that's yeah. why I made fun of Monty yes- or Monty yesterday because
5: uh, the referees could care less about the Pistons and if that was a foul or mm-hmm. not. They could care less about any of that. And the only reason to be honest with you, it was even a story, wasn't because of the Pistons got screwed. It was because the Knicks, you know, are on this run and they're fighting for this East and they're actually good in the East this year. That's why it got play it had nothing to do with the Pistons. And that's why I ripped Monty yesterday as well. Because <laughs> he made it about him, like, oh, we're tired of this. This you know, you might as well have just said this is why our season sucks that's why we're eight wins is because the referees can't do it he blamed he blamed the referees for i was just like get out of here dude
0: nobody cares i still wonder the, the philadelphia 76ers of about 72 or 73 i don't remember when uh, Won only nine games all year. Yep. And I've always wondered, is that record ever going to fall of actually winning fewer games? And again, I don't think it will. There's no way the Pistons lose every single game the rest of the year. Know. They've but already man.
5: had one 23-game losing streak.
0: All right, here, I'll challenge you. I've only got 20 <laughs> seconds left, but I'll challenge you with this. Speaking of losing, the longest streak in the history of the NHL of never even getting a point, not mm-hmm. a tie, not an overtime loss, mm-hmm. is 18. Yep. And the Coyotes are at 13. Yep. Will they break it?
5: Uh, yes. Uh, the really? Fact, well, the fact that they beat Mon- they lost to Montreal yeah, yesterday, yeah. which is in the point race with them, but Montreal's a bad team. Yeah. Uh, the only chance I think they have to win, uh, depending on this Clayton Keller situation, is Chicago. And even with Bedard back, I think that's a disadvantage for him. That record is going to be challenged.
0: Wow. Well, strong opinion. Here we go. Have a good show. Versus Megan. Megan. By the way, post-game, Andre Turney said he's proud of the guys. They're playing hard. (laughs) We do have—you know what? We do have to give the Coyotes something. They did something very special yesterday. They played the whole first five minutes without giving up a goal. Now, they gave up in eight minutes, but at least we got through the first five. More importantly, we got through the first minute. So, hey, maybe maybe the Coyotes are getting a little better. It took them eight minutes to be scored upon in in yesterday's game. Um... But you do think, think about this seriously, since we're in versus Vegas as a gambler, there are a lot of people believe, okay, you can't have this keep going. So at some point, you need to start gambling where you bet one unit on the Coyotes to win, then you bet two units, then you bet three units, and you just keep going until they finally win. I would not start that coming up because their next game is against Toronto tomorrow night. I wouldn't start it then. But maybe up against Ottawa and leading up to like what Steve just mentioned the, the Chicago game, I think I would start betting on the coyotes first game in Ottawa and then just double down each time and just pray that the coyotes don't lose 30 straight <laughs> games and you'll eventually win some money I would think but uh, not if you're taking negative juice you see you gotta you gotta do the math. Ahead of time. Versus Vegas today, pretty excited. We've had back-to-back 3-0 and days. After going through a little bit of a swoon, we went through an 0-5 swoon, which didn't feel very good, but bounced back well by going 6-0. 3-0 two nights ago, 3-0 and last night. We have uh, we took Detroit on the money line against Washington. Boy, dumb to take the money line. Could have had better juice if I would have said they'd cover the puck line. It was close. Detroit won 8-3. to three. I wish I would have been a little more aggressive and confident on that, but we still got it right. Took Colorado. You know what? I forgot to look up the uh, the Colorado Avalanche score. They were winning 5-1. to one, So, admittedly, I just assumed I got it right, and that was kind of, you know, you never should do that. Just assume that you've uh, you've got it right. So, let's see. It's Colorado at home. Last night is what we went with, and let me find the uh, lanch. This is really good television. I'm glad I'm a part of it. Uh, Colorado won five to one. They did end up holding on five to one. So we got that game right. Colorado winning five to one, and then uh, we took Calgary on the money line, and Calgary got. Uh, a late goal, so we could have covered the puck line, but I'm kind of I feel better that we didn't. We just went safe. Calgary beat the Kings four to two, with the Kings on the back end of a back to back coming up from Edmonton. So we go three and zero, improve our record to eleven uh, nineteen and nine eighty one, and then uh, at nine draws. So not bad, still above the fifty three percent threshold, which is what it means to make money. Still well ahead on units in twenty twenty four, doing a great job on units. If you would have bet. If $100 is your unit, you would be up around $2,500 so far on 2024. So I feel pretty good about helping you make money. Who knows where that's going to go. <laughs> when, you're, when you're the minnow in the room and the average, you're not, I'm not great at this. Like Uncle Lou, who's on the main event, that's the professional. Okay, that's the real dude. Me, uh... We we know it could be it, the, the negative could be coming. I'm really good at NHL, pretty good at college basketball at NBA. What's crazy is the sport I know the most about: Major League Baseball, baseball in general. It's probably my worst gambling sport. So I would say hurry up and join me, cash in until April rolls around. Then it might get uh, it might get pretty ugly. All right, tonight here's what we got. We're gonna go in NBA. We're gonna go in NHL. We're gonna go a college hoop. Okay. NHL-wise, St. Louis Blues are on the back end of a back-to-back. They played in Winnipeg last night. Now they're headed to Edmonton. Edmonton's kind of on fire. I'm going to take Oilers on the puck line and say they cover the one-and-a-half at home against St. Louis. New Orleans is on the back end of a back-to-back. I forget where they were. I think they came from New York. I think they played the Knicks last night. Now they fly all the way to Indiana. Uh, other than i don't know izzy when you grew up were you on central time or were you on eastern time how close to chicago are you uh central time you were on central Time. okay for those of you who don't know the the upper tip in the gary indiana area and close to chicago that is on central time in order to hey we're basically chicago suburb let's be on the same time as chicago the rest of the state is on eastern time so it's not like the clock changed but it's one of the longest flights you can have and not change time zones uh if you're traveling east to west i don't care i don't know if you care about the geography of that but that's that's kind of brutal to have a back-to-back going from there so i'm going to take the pacers to cover the five and a half i love pacers on the money line but I don't love the Jews. So I'm going to say they cover the 5.5. That's going to be... That's an I like category, but I think I'm going to get this one right. And then I really like, not love, but I really like Auburn tonight against the Jeff Weir Productions. Um, Tennessee will probably win the game, but I think plus 6.5 is a little steep. I think minus 6.5 for Tennessee to cover is a little steep. So I don't know who's going to win. Probably Tennessee. But I don't like tennessee covering and i really like auburn on a backdoor cover being able to hit a couple shots at the end and auburn being able to get within six and a half so i'm going to take the tigers plus the six and a half on the road at tennessee that does it for today's version of doug frown's unplugged presented by whirlwind golf club at wild horse pass number one thanks a lot to everybody who goes to any of our sponsors you If you're hungry and you choose Bell's Nashville Kitchen, which is in Scottsdale, uh, an old town Scottsdale, right off of um, Scottsdale Road. Boy, am I flaming out mentally. (laughs) And it's on Main Street. Easy to get to. It's delicious. Burrito Express, seven locations across the east side. That's fantastic to go to get something to eat. Parker & Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical. Your air conditioning unit, man going to be 80 degrees today and we started off when i left the house today it was 51 degrees so one minute you either have the heat on or you don't have it on if you like it cold the next minute you've got to try to chill the house with the ac it's not consistent i know why you do it but it's tough on the unit join the parker family plan call 6022 repair that 602 the number two that r-e-p-a-i-r for parker and sons and of course there's rosati's and civlic to eat at as well on the east side rosati's only the one at ray and mcqueen And if you don't mind, even though they haven't started yet, next week starts Santan Ford, our big new advertiser. Welcome aboard, Tim Hovick, and everybody out there at Santan Ford. Please consider them strongly for your next new or pre-owned car purchase. But more importantly, I think to get yourself rolling and to really show what they can do for you, test out their mobile unit that will come to you and even bring a technician to do minor repairs and oil changes it's fantastically convenient that you can book at santanford.com had a good show thanks izzy for all that you did the main event is up next boy i got a busy day go devils tonight i'll see you tomorrow